You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Our guest is Dr. Mark Geisberger, who has over 27 years of experience in dental education. He currently teaches at the University of the Pacific and has authored numerous articles in a variety of dental publications. He maintains a private practice in Greenbrae, California, in aesthetic and restorative dentistry. Dr. Geisberger, it's a pleasure to have you back on Dental Talk. Hey, Phil, thanks for having me back. It's great to be back talking with you again about uh, some thoughts on different materials. Your past podcast is doing great. It's wonderful information you've provided us on glass atomers. I recommend all of our listeners to tap into that one. The title of that one uh, is Using Modern Glass Atomers in Your Practice. Today, we're going to be talking about core buildups. What are the benefits of incorporating core buildup technology into a dental practice? You know, Phil, there are lots of benefits to using a core material. First and foremost, it really provides a sound structure or really substructure for your crown and bridge work. Uh, And I think that's really important. Too often I see old crowns that I remove with a a less than superior material underneath supporting that crown. And in some cases, that's led to the early demise of those crowns. So I think when we're reconstructing a tooth with crown and bridge work, it's really important that we have a sound foundation to support those restorations. That's especially true with some of the modern ceramics that don't like anything flexing below it. Enlighten us on some of the important techniques that should be carried out when doing a a core buildup. Yeah, so there's a number of things you really want to look at when you're doing a a, a sound core buildup. First and foremost, you want that core to adhere well to the tooth structure. And in today's practices, we really look for self-etching technologies to bond in core materials. The reason I say self-etching is your core in nine times out of 10 is held in by a dentin bond. There really is no enamel bond with core materials because we're bonding to uh, the dentin surface. So first and foremost, you want to make sure that you've got a good self-etching adhesive uh, that is compatible with your cores, and most of the time they're all compatible, um, to support that core. The second thing you want to look look at in a good successful core buildup is a material that provides you the contrast, the visual contrast necessary to see the core material. Unlike trying to blend in a composite, for me, I want my core material to be evident. Um, And you want to select one that gives you the shade options so that you can really see the material. And those are really important things when you're talking about the techniques. The next thing you want to realize is that, um, you know, even though our core materials are quite strong, we want to establish a crown prep with an adequate ferrule. And generally speaking, we speak about a two millimeter of ferrule um, beneath the core to establish uh, that margin on sound to structure. So I think those are some critical things about cores uh, that are often overlooked. Yeah, and just out of curiosity, and I don't want to spend too much time on this question, how often do you actually incorporate a post in your core buildups? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, So, you know, when I went to dental school, and this is dating myself, we were taught that in some ways posts um, reinforce a tooth and that we always put in a post whenever there was a root canal. Well, unfortunately, um, that led to a lot of vertically fractured teeth. So my thinking on posts has changed uh, pretty much 180 degrees. And the reality is we really only put a post system into a tooth when we need that post to help us retain the core. So in my practice, honestly, I put very few posts in. 
if I can get adequate bonding and good um, with a good core material, we don't necessarily need it post. Um, and if we used a post, we'd probably use a post that's of the fiber uh, reinforced resin post uh, or a glass resin post rather than a steel post um, because they have actually uh, better uh, characteristics of flexing like the tooth and dentin. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So when removing an old crown restoration, tell us how you manage the existing core material. All right, so in my practice, when I take off an old crown, uh, I have a couple rules. If I did the crown and it was done recently, and I'm confident that my core was free of decay underneath, I'll leave it. Other than that, if I'm at all suspicious about any uh, existing core material, especially amalgam, um, I will remove that old core material and place a new buildup. Because the last thing I want is a mystery going on under my core material. I don't want to put a brand new lovely crown on top of a failing substructure. That would be like building a house on top of a, a rotten termite infested foundation. Just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. Um, and a lot of times when you take off the old crown, it may look sound on, you know, underneath that crown, but you're not really sure what's going on uh, at the margins. It just may not be visible to you that there's recurrent. Well, I mean, you, you might see recurrent decay radiographically, but you might not. So, yeah, you might not, and especially under right. an amalgam, where the amalgam also often, you know, obscures your view of decay. You know, I was taught that amalgams were self-sealing back in dental school. I'm not convinced that's necessarily true, because a lot of amalgams I take out have got a ton of decay under them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've, I've learned not to trust that as, as, a, as dogma. Uh, so I, I commonly re remove those and replace them with a core. Um, and, you know, I base my choice in cores on the size of that old, um, old restorative material. I have amalgams that I had when I was 12 years old, and they're still rock solid, which is, I mean, I can't imagine a composite resin lasting that long. Absolutely. Yeah. Amalgams, uh, when placed properly, done well, can last indefinitely. Um, the problem with composites is they're so technique sensitive, and there's a lot of shortcuts taken that really predisposes them to early failure. All of our listeners love when we have KOLs on. They like uh, the feedback I've been getting is they like to for me to ask the question about what you currently use. Um, now, I know Voco is the sponsor of this podcast, and we certainly have no problem disclosing that, but you, you are a user of Rebuilded DC. So can you tell us a little bit about that product and why you like to use it in your practice? There are a couple of things that I think um, uh, make this material an ideal core build-up material. The first is, after it's cured, um, it is really quite hard. And my biggest beef with so many core materials is once you cure them and then you start prepping them, it's like you're cutting into butter. And I really want a core to behave as much like dentin as possible. And Rebuilda DC really does that. So that's, that's number one. Number two that I like about Rebuilda DC, especially if I'm under an Emax crown, is the core material itself's radio opacity is quite high. It's 250 on the aluminum scale, which makes it plainfully obvious in an X-ray, um, which is a real nice feature in uh, a buildup material. The one thing I love about the material is um, its stackability. And what I mean by stackability is as you dispense the material into your preparation, it doesn't slump or drip all over the place. So you can literally build up 
um, a, a core and have it stay put. And I kind of equate it to like loading um, loading a ice cream cone with a soft serve ice cream. And you've seen these kids load your ice cream cone and they spiral it around and that cone doesn't slump and that ice cream stays put. Well, Rebuild a DC really works like that. So you don't get this slumping effect. And oftentimes I don't need to, need to put on a matrix band. Um, I can get the material to behave and I don't need to confine it to the tooth. And um, that's a huge feature. The last thing I'd mention is um, that you can get the material in a number of colors. I actually use the white one, uh, not the Denton colored one. I like the white. I like that bright contrast on tooth structure uh, as opposed to the Denton shade. Uh, but if you needed a Denton shade for aesthetics reasons, say on an anterior tooth, they have that option. They also make a blue one. I don't I don't really use the blue one, but um, it's available for those that like a colored core material. So it's got a lot of versatility. Yeah. So, I mean, the key thing as far as the colors is making sure you can ascertain where the tooth structure ends and the and the uh, core material begins. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that's where I like that bright white one. Right. And that, I guess that helps you affirm your your feral uh, around your preparation to make sure it's in the two millimeter range, I assume. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my biggest beef with the tooth colored ones that match the dentin so well. Oftentimes it's hard for you to see that terminal margin, especially if it's down by the tissue. So I, I prefer the, the bright buildup materials, the super white ones. Right. So even when you're doing, when you need to do a crown lengthening procedure, you still avoid the post at all costs? I really do. Um, unless I need uh, that added retention from the post, I, I will largely um, avoid uh, avoid a post. Hmm. Now, if the tooth's already got a post, I'm going to leave it in. I'm not going. I'm not going to put the tooth at risk by by me taking it out. But I avoid a lot of posts. And what I found is, um, you know, when the restoration fails, if the if if it does fail, the crown will break in such a way that it can be remade. My um, my observation with endodontically treated teeth with these very large posts is when they fail, it's a root failure, right. and it's not the endodontist's fault. It's that that post that that caused that um, vertical fracture. So I rather have a fail, failure that I can repair rather than extract. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense as well. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Geisberger. That's been very insightful. We definitely enjoyed your insight on core buildups and. Um, we have you coming up on another podcast on remineralization. So we look forward to that one. Thanks so much for thanks. your time. Hey, thanks for having me again. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Just so you know, you can access all of our episodes on Viva Learning's website at vivalearning.com or on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.